This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm a firm believer that everyone has a chip on their shoulder and it's beautiful and it is specific to them. Going back to my life experiences, I've had the most heartache in my life because of gender inequity. Because I think all through my life, I've been less than. Less has been expected of me. I got less opportunity. I had to fight to get every single thing. You know, I think that's one of the reasons I started YouTube in 2010, was there was no one else that looked like me. And it wasn't only this exciting, ooh, this is really cool, but it was definitely that chip off my shoulder of like, well, there should be. And so I'm going to make it. Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is the show about work and life told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Roman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow, but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you, for all of us. On today's show, we want to feature a chat with accomplished comedian and YouTuber Lily Singh by longtime friend of the pod, Rajiv Satyal. Rajiv, what's up, man? Good to be here. Thanks for having me back. So, Rajiv, you got to tell me about this chat with Lily Singh on your talk show. What do you bring to the table? It was incredible to have Lily Singh in my house and in my studio, you know, signing the guest book, sending me flowers after she left. It was really great. She met my family, met my kid, my wife, my parents. I mean, she really made it personal. It was awesome. You know, I remember when we first started like experimenting with podcasting together, you know, I'm a bit of a recluse. So I want to do everything remote. And you're like, I got to do my interviews in person. And man, with your talk show, it's just you bring these people into your house, they meet your family, you have chai with them, and then you take them to the back, to the studio. Um, I don't regret my decision, but I am jealous of how you do your job. I appreciate it. it. There are pros and cons that people could probably figure out. It's much harder to schedule a time for people to come over. It's a much heavier lift, but I think at the end of the day, it is worth it. That's awesome. Well, for those of you who live under a rock, here's a quick bio. Lily Singh is a Canadian YouTuber, television host, comedian, writer, and actress. She also happens to be bisexual, which is one of the reasons we're airing this episode this June. Lily began making her YouTube videos way back when in 2010, originally as Superwoman, which was her YouTube username till 2019. Lily's been regarded as one of the 40 most powerful people in comedy and is one of the highest paid YouTubers, and she's received all of the awards. In 2016, Lily released her first film, a documentary chronicling her world tour, hilariously titled A Trip to Unicorn Island. In March 2017, she released her first book, the New York Times bestseller, How to Be a Boss, A Guide to Conquering Life. And from 2019 to 2021, Lily acted as executive producer and host of the NBC late night talk show, A Little Late with Lily Singh. Lily is the first person of Indian descent to host an American major broadcast network late night talk show, which is a massive accomplishment. So yeah, basically, Lily is amazing. Rajiv, I again, I gotta ask, how did you make this happen? 
from another late night talk show host, Hassan Minhaj, my old roommate. I hit him up and he gave me a couple of leads and one of them was Lily Singh. And on his word, she said, yes, he's got that kind of sway. I got to ask, because when you told me that you had booked her, and I, I follow more than a handful of big names on YouTube, right? Be it Mark Rober, Marquise Brownlee, MKPHD, Patrick Willems. But I wasn't as familiar with Lily's body of work. I mean, you're in the comedy field. So, I mean, what was your familiarity about her before you had her on the show? I've known about her for years, just being in, especially the Desi comedy game, the South Asian comedy game. You know, somebody who jumped in with both feet. She'd been doing impressions of her parents, characters, sketches very, very early, like you're saying 2010. And even before that, I think, but she, her channel really got going around that time and just a pioneer of a person. So I had always wanted to connect with her and I was glad that this was able to happen. I'd been aware of her for, for a long time. Yeah, something I just loved about the conversation with you and Lily is, and something you do very, I think you can do it because you're bringing them into your house and you're getting to know them. Like you get really personal really fast and you can kind of see the friendship forming during the conversation, which folks are going to get to hear. But what were your favorite parts about the conversation? Because there's just so many moments in it. Wow, I really appreciate that. And I guess it is paying off that they are in our home. You give them some chai and then you can give them some feedback. Maybe there's a tie in there in some some way, shape, or form. And also playing ping pong and, you know, just kind of getting their their mind. I think that the ball hopefully is not going to be too distracting for people to hear as they're listening to it, not only watching it. But, you know, I loved the part where she talks about networking. I ask about whether it's worth going to networking events, and she has a great answer to that. And then also her show got canceled after only two seasons. And yeah. I think she brought a lot of vulnerability to the question when I asked, why did that happen? Yeah, this is a conversation you had almost a year ago, depending on when folks mm -hmm. listen to this. I recently actually also heard her on Kara Swisher's podcast, and she's coming out and being more open about mm -hmm. not just all of her successes, but her failures and the whys behind it. And it was so, I mean, I think, she really opened up to you about that earlier on than I think I've seen in other places. And it's funny, you do mention the ping pong. Uh, yeah. I, first, I want to warn our audience, that, because you're going to be listening to an audio version of this. There is a point in the interview where we're going to hear them playing ping pong. But rather than cut it out, like so much of great conversation came out of that moment. And, and Rajiv, why do you think that is? Like when you get your guests playing a game with you, that you can get so much more out of them. I think you're focused on doing something else. They, they said that the hardest part of acting is the auditioning process. And that's because you're standing in a nondescript room. It has to be nondescript because there are so many auditions going on in that space. And that's going to be the hardest acting you do. You're never standing in a nondescript space doing nothing. That's a very odd, very unusual, very inorganic way of doing it. So when you have two people just sitting and talking and they don't know each other, it's great if you're sitting in a booth, which we have. But if you can do something else, multitask, at the same time, obviously the definition of multitasking, I think it pulls their focus away from why is this person asking me this question? And, oh, I got to return the shot. Oh, oh, the ball went over here. <laughs> and next thing you know, you're asking them about something deeply personal. And I don't think they even realized it. We're, we're not trying to manipulate anyone here, but I think that there is something about providing that level of comfort. Well, and I think it, it deepens the connection with the person, right? It's not something they've done on all the other talk shows or podcasts that they've been on. Yeah. And but, I think with ping pong, it's also interesting because of the edits. So we would do other games, but it's like, like connect four, like, wait, what happened with Hustin? I thought he had three in a row. And then guys, why are you watching the game more than us? Are we really that boring? <laughs> a, but then B with ping pong, it's also like collaborative because we're not playing competitively. We're just trying to see how long can we hit the ball back and forth. It becomes this collaborative thing. And I think that's also why the conversation becomes more collaborative. That's amazing. I, I guess the real question is, Rajiv, who was the better ping pong player, you or Lily? 
you or blank, you can always say you. Rajiv is very good at ping pong. <laughs> I sound like Jimmy in, in Seinfeld. Jimmy, Jimmy's getting upset. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you can actually see all of Rajiv's conversations in video with folks like Hassan Minaj, Deepak Chopra, U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, and so many more at WatchRajiv.com. But let's get right into it with Rajiv's chat with Lily Singh. Welcome, everybody, to What Do You Bring to the Table? I'm your host, Rajiv Sethyal, and I'm sitting here with Lily Singh. What up? A.K.A. Superwoman. AKA bisexual woman of color. That's me. That's me, baby. I was just thinking in my brain when you said superwoman, I was like, I'm gonna have to pay a check after this. Bisexual superwoman of color, I know. First of all, we want to thank you for doing this. Of course. You know, we we have to, because you know where our show is is getting started when we're like, we have Lily Singh. You know what no, you know what that does. I'll be honest, I have made a very conscious decision over the past year or two to be like if someone South Asian is doing something dope, I will make time to help them. Well, thanks for making an exception, because, even though this isn't that. Dope. No, get out of here. No, but I'm being serious. I think it's because a lot of times when I say that, people are like, oh, so you're only gonna help your own kind, and that's the wrong way. Yeah, no, yes, say yes. That's the wrong. <laughs> yes, of course I have a secret agenda, but besides that, I think. Did you, you know, say brown Illuminati? Hundred percent. Yeah. But I think I just over the past few years have learned how difficult it is to yes. be the minority and not have anyone that looks like you in the room. And I'm like, I really want to help where I can. So I'm actually genuinely very happy to be here. Yeah, it really, really made our day and our week and our month that you're here. Oh, it really, thank you. Nah, it's a really, it's a really big deal because I feel like there are those folks in our in our community, folks. That's how old I am. <laughs> I just said folks. There's some youngsters out yeah. there. Yeah, folks. Wow. Folks. Yeah, believe yeah, that, like yourself, I said, the F word, sure. the other F 100%. word. 100%. Yeah, that was, I really <laughs> aged myself, but that was terrible. But, but there, there, there are dominoes. There are people out there, like, you get that person, and you go, wow, we got Lily Singh. You think I'm a domino? Yeah. That is the nicest thing yeah. anyone's ever said to me. I'm a, I'm a domino. You're a domino. Wow. Even though you brought brown sword, and that's kind of a black and white thing, but still. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like a brown domino. I'm a brown domino? I love that. You know what, when you told me, you can use all of this, by the way. I don't Please, care. no, gonna we're going to keep sound. But also, I feel like when you, when I, Imagine this, I was like, oh, I'll wear headphones, but that's not that kind of thing. And so I did my hair specifically for oh, those headphones. Oh, that's smart. No, that's okay, but now I'm gonna take it oh, off you and can show you that I actually have beautiful long hair. Do you want to show it with a hat off, or is that, is that crazy? <sighs> Look at I mean, this. It's no, it's no big deal, it's honestly whatever. It's, yeah. we're not here to talk about it. No, this is whatever. Hair. That is, that is. We're like the same. Ick them. Yeah, ick them the same. Ick them, fucka, fucka the same. Twins. Twins, twinsies. It wouldn't matter the ethnicity, like not just in the South Asian community. I mean, first bisexual woman of color to host a late night show. Is that so? I've Isn't never that heard true? that before. Never, one time in your life. <laughs> Maybe every title, every 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 time I Google. Just every say, headline just every ever that ever headline. existed. Yeah. Do you lean into that? Is that is that a big thing? <sighs> See, I'm gonna have to uncross my legs now because we're getting into conversation here. I know we are. Here's the thing about this. Okay, <laughs> wow. let me. She even moves the mug. Okay, here well, we go. Adjustment That's of serious. the mug. That's when you know a conversation started. Yeah, here. or when someone says <laughs> your name. Yes. Look, Rajiv. Yes, Rajiv. Yeah. Let me explain. Let me talk to you about this. Okay, when the late night show came out, I for sure there, I, I was split in half. One half of me was like. I see how historic this is, and I see the importance that someone who never saw someone like this could see themselves. Whether it's another brown kid, another person, you know, trying to figure out their sexuality, you see something like that and it becomes normal. It normalizes it and you think, oh, this is being celebrated, this is cool. I love that. The hard part is when that's all you become. So to a lot of these articles, like, my name wouldn't be mentioned for a very long time. I would just constantly be 
bisexual woman of color. Hey, bisexual woman of color, Mrs. Bisexual Woman of Color. It's like my name. Or Ms. Third paragraph. My name was like third, fourth paragraph down. And that's when it becomes a little bit tough because you see these intimate parts of yourself trending online and it's a weird feeling. Right. Right? Um, On top of that, and this is the real, real of it, a lot of people get mad at me for that sentence. I know they do. Yeah, a lot of people come up to me and say, we get it. You're a bisexual woman of color, and I'm like... They come up to you and say that? On, online, obviously. Okay, no, but I don't know. Like, has anyone yeah. come... Is no. it... Because that's the thing with Very the Very few right? people come up to me and say anything in person. <laughs> is um, that true? Like, do you get approached much? I have... Street? I can say this. I have, I, I have t- over 2 billion views on YouTube. Yeah. I have lots of comments. Not even once in my real life has someone approached me and said something bad to me. Wow. Not even once. Not wow. even once has someone approached me saying, I don't think you're funny. I think you're ugly, or any of those types of comments you would see, right. not even once. It might be like a, hey, like this one video did like, I don't know, I kind of like disagreed. Like there might be like a little bit of a oh, conversation, okay. like a normal human yeah, being, that's, but that's never fine. was, you know, those ruthless comments online. I always have to keep that in my mind because not once has someone said that to me in real life. Do celebrities like you get that? Do they get negative like, stuff thrown in their face like It that? is by far my, one of my greatest challenges in life. I am past the point where I need to front. Oh, online like, or you mean in person? Like IRL people get, like, or, or is that like, no, the keyboard warriors, that's the problem is. For me, most of the problem is keyboard warriors because I find in person people see a human being. Right. They're looking at you and even right. if they disagree, they'll have a conversation, yeah. they'll hear you. They right. can't run away. Whereas on Twitter, they'll say something and then that's it, they're gone. Yeah. And there's no they're accountability. Um, but it is tough. The online, the online stuff, people's opinions constantly being judged. I think I went through a period of time where I fronted for a while and I was like, sure. oh, I have thick skin, it doesn't bother me. And then I turned 30 and I was like, I think my feelings are hurt. <laughs> Wouldn't they have to be? Yeah, Wouldn't I mean, yeah. Who would be like, no, I'm fine. I think some people might have thicker skin than me, but I've come to terms with the fact that sometimes I'm sensitive. And especially when it's something I care about. Like, right. if I get hate about my sexuality or like the color of my skin or that I get a lot of like, we get it, you're a woman. Like, I don't know how to reconcile with that because right. I, how do I change that? Do you what, do you think, what do you think that, well, I mean, you can be changed. There, there are, there are of surgeries. course, but I'm saying <laughs> right. I don't want to change that. That's, <laughs> you know? that's a fair point. You know? That's a, like, how do you, I mean, what, what's the thing that someone said to you that, re- what hurts like when someone says that? Like out of all, cause there's so many things that people can say about anybody, but it's like, they're like, oh my gosh, that like really. I'm gonna give you a very vulnerable answer that I've Please? never given anyone else before just because wow. you've brought me in this room with all these nice gallery walls and now I'm here and I feel like I owe you something. Um, something that really bothers me, and I think it's because I'm so passionate about it, is, like I mentioned, I'm trying to pave a path for South Asians. I'm trying to make it so the next, pers- the next person doesn't have to fight as hard as I fought in some sure. of these rooms. Um, I can't do everything, though, and I have my own lived experiences, and so I have my own way of talking, of dressing, of doing things, because that's what I know. And every once in a while, I'll get a South Asian person, a Punjabi person, being like, sell out, you do nothing for us, you do nothing for our community. Like, it's actually the hate from our own community that bothers me the most because I care so deeply about that community. Right, because that's who you are. And it's a, it's, a, it's a thing a lot of people face. You know, I've spoken to lots of other actresses and talent about this, that their own communities are their biggest supporters and critiques. Biggest detractors. You know? Exactly, and I think it stings a little bit more. Always feels a little nicer too, but also stings a little more. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, they don't feel like you do enough. They don't feel like I do enough or I'm not doing it how they might do it or the, they, the way they want it to be done. How do they want um, it to be done? I think in a way that aligns with their upbringing, right? I think one of the hard parts of being a minority is that inevitably you're representing so many people. Like sure. There's over a billion 
Desis. Which is why a friend of mine always says, right. Yo, let's stop calling ourselves minorities. Exactly. We're, we're, so we're not the minority. But my experience growing up is going to be still different from yours because we're sure. still individuals, right? So sure. when I'm making my YouTube videos and I'm talking about how my parents raised me and the things they might say to me and, and how, my, how strict they were, I'm just talking about my experience. Right. But I'll get a comment being like, stop portraying Indian parents like that. Mine are nothing like that. And that's where I'm like, it doesn't mean either. it doesn't mean exactly it doesn't mean that mine aren't those. So it's tough when you're representing so many people, mm -hmm. um, and it's also tough when there's so many causes in the world. I think one of the tough things today is that everyone's really passionate about causes, whether it's you know the very important farmer protest, whether it's like women's sure. education, whether it's about X Y Z. I'm still one person, you know. Right. I can't solve everything, and I think people when there's only a few of people that look like you in the spotlight, you, you are kind of pressured to solve everything, sure. you know? Do you think that'll change? Absolutely not. <laughs> I love the optimism. Absolutely That's great. Not. Should it change? Or is there I, like I, a point to that? Realistically, I don't think it will. And, I, and, and part of me, part of my healing process has been understanding where that person is coming from. Wow. They are so frustrated because sure. there is no one talking about the thing they care about. And I'm the closest person that could talk about it. And I'm not doing it as well as they could do it. So I have to understand where their frustration comes from. They've then got I, like an all lives matter point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this, my cause matters too. I'm a firm believer that everyone has a chip on their shoulder and it's mm. beautiful and it is specific to them. Mine mm. is, I really am about gender equity. Like I care about a lot of causes, okay, but, but for me, the... for me, because of my life and my experiences, sure. I'm like, I know firsthand what it feels like to be born a girl in a South Asian family, that was like a disappointment, you know? And that's like real, real Because stuff. of your sexuality? Huh? No, because I was a girl. <laughs> oh, <sorry laughs> Because I'm not, I'm, like, I'm not a, no right from the get-go, right, right from the get-go, right? So when you are raised with that, that's a very real thing that has followed me with my life. And so that is the chip on my shoulder. I will proudly say, I'm all about gender equity. I'm all about paving the path for women. So yes, I can lend my voice to other causes I really care about and I will, but I can't stand for everything. Right, you know or what you mean? fall I for anything, as they say. There you go. Google that quote, folks. It'll say author Rajiv. It will. Just like this, <laughs> where it says, good artists borrow, great artists steal. And it's me. <laughs> I'm very proud of that. Gender equity, um, or so even more than sexuality is a cause. Like, you feel like gender equity is the thing, or the, I know they're tied together. But. Yeah, listen, I, at risk of me being like, here's what I care about most, bam, 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 the rest of you don't matter. Yeah. Going back to my life experiences, what I will say is I feel like I've had the most heartache in my life because of gender inequity. Mm -hmm. So yes, that is the chip on my shoulder. Okay. Yes. Because you're a woman. Yes, because I think all through my life, I've just kind of been less than, honestly, not, not that I felt that way, but less has been expected of me. I got less opportunity. I had to fight through to get every single thing. You know, I think that's one of the reasons I started YouTube in 2010, was there was no one else that looked like me. And it wasn't only this exciting, ooh, this is really cool. But it was definitely that chip off my shoulder of like, well, there should be. And so I'm right. going to make it. And so that always is a little bit of a driving force, even with the late night show. I'm going to be very honest. I've said this many times. I'm not one of those people that grew up with the dream of saying I want my own late night talk show. Uh, I mean, I haven't either. I know. <laughs> but I think when I got the show, everyone was like, oh my god, I'll interview you. Is this your dream? Did you grow up watching Jimmy Fallon? And I truly, I didn't. Well, don't you think that was kind of the issue? Is that I, when, when you had the show, I was going, I think your vehicle would have been more like voices, characters, sketches, mm -hmm. like Superwoman. Mm -hmm. And then they had you doing stand-up and interviews. Well, and they go, That's, you're taking a golfer and you're making her play basketball. Right. Well, I think that there's two seasons of The Late Night Show. The first one, I was so out of my element. I was, 
you know, there's producers and all these people that knew Late Night, and I was the only person that didn't know Late Night. I only knew myself, but when you're put into that machine, okay, so we have to start with the monologue. Oh, I guess, I guess we have to do that. Right. Okay, okay, you literally you have to hit this mark. Oh, okay, I'll hit this mark. I'm right. listening to all these people who've done this for so long, and the product of season one, when I watch it, I was like, this is not me at all. Right. And I don't like this, and honestly, it's not that good. Season two, I definitely made more of my own. There was more sketches. I was doing monologues as if there were rants. I was doing all that mm -hmm. stuff, but people had already made up their mind about the show after season one, right? That's and that's a thing. tough thing. It's like... You're boxed. I had 30 plus years of hosts that look one way, and after one year of me, people yeah. made up their mind. I know it was, it was tough. I, I didn't have a lot of resources and a lot of options, and so I did the best I could do. I could say that genuinely I am proud of season two, but uh, I am quite... To be politically correct, I'm quite relieved to not be doing it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be. You can come out as you go on a rare right no, now. I, I mean, don't you know. seem, I, I do have to no, be grateful. You come off grateful. I appreciate you saying that. that but I know that. I, I do understand how big of a deal that was. And it has honestly helped elevate my career. Now I'm doing so many things that I'm actually excited about. So I don't want it to seem like I'm crapping all over it. But it definitely was a mentally, emotionally, and spiritually draining thing. I would imagine yeah. it would have to have been. Every single day to, to be putting that much energy in something. Did you get advice from the other late night talk show hosts? I did, me? I did. I remember I got great advice from Corden actually, when I oh. went to go do Corden's show, which I will also say, <laughs> let me just breeze over this fact, but I will also say that was a big deal because historically, their rival, you know, rival right, networks. Right, for a host to go exactly. on another. and so that was a big deal, but I was like, I don't want to subscribe to that. I don't want to subscribe to this archaic rivalry because like I'm a newer generation that's supposed to bring a fresh perspective and sure. my generation is one of collaboration. So I went and did Corden's show and he actually like came into my change room. I was decent. He came into my change room and felt where I was going for, for like literally 10 minutes he just downloaded this amazing advice onto me and I'll never forget it. And he was basically saying, it's so easy you're doing this daily show. It's tough. You know, the network's gonna piss you off. They're gonna do all this stuff you have to enjoy it. And that, the point he was saying is you have to enjoy it and you'll always feel like you never have enough. Now I left that being like, he's absolutely right. You know, I might not always have this, I should enjoy it. But also, there's a little bit of realisticness of like, he's saying this from a perspective of his budget, his budget being probably 10 times what mine is, sure. right? True. So there's levels to this stuff. True. When, you know, my budget was, we, we can't shoot one episode a day, we have to show, shoot four or five, like five a yeah, day. Yeah, like in a day. Yeah, like right. that's a different... That's what we do here, we're shooting three guests. Yeah. So I used yeah. to shoot two to three episodes a day, including the monologue, whatever the bit was, the interviews, so that's me prepping for three interviews a day. And you know what it is, you're doing it right now, it's tough. Yeah, it's but now imagine a live it's audience. Like a coffee breath. Yeah, and now imagine a live <laughs> audience, imagine the network here giving notes, imagine like all this other stuff, right. so it's, it's tough. Yeah, that does seem like it would be a lot. That's funny, that's almost like someone in first class telling someone to coach enjoy the ride. A little bit, but I appreciated the sentiment no, but of what he was saying. No, that's no knock on him. Yeah. That's, not, I mean, that, yeah. that's really sweet. But I needed to that. hear it because that's what honestly got me through the rest mm -hmm. of the season. Um, but I really appreciate that he took 10 minutes and he, he gave me this advice for someone that's been doing it longer than me. You know another thing I really learned about the late night show? I think one of the greatest lessons is all humans are bad at one thing. We're oh. many things, but specifically this one thing. We always look at someone and judge them as if we know what it's like to do that job, right? So one of the most frustrating things for my show was when I would get comments like, oh my God, why doesn't she have this person on her show? Or like, why is her segment done like this? Why is the audio so bad? And every time I'd read those comments, I'd be like, it's because we can't book that person because they've already promised 
Ellen, they right. go on Ellen show and they can't come on my show. Is that there's so much behind the scenes stuff people don't right. know about. And then I had to check myself the next time I watched a Raptors game because I was like, how you missed that shot, bro? How you missed that shot from the three-point line? Stupid, I, I can make, but realistically, I've never made that shot from the three-point. Right. I've never been on that court. Right. And I don't know what that feels like. And under like. that kind of pressure. Exactly, and, and I don't know what that feels else. like. And I felt the weight of that yeah. in late night because I was like, oh man. And even me, maybe I thought it was going to be way easier than it was. There's so many reasons. It's such an archaic industry, okay. especially late night, of well, how things are done. Because you have to the mark and because You have to do a certain... Every episode of my show had to be 22 minutes and something seconds. It could yeah. never alter. It yeah. had to be exactly that. Yeah. You know? Because so, it's all run by advertisements. It's all run by advertisements. Yeah. So that means I have to drag one joke out longer. I have to cut one joke that made the rest of it made sense, make sense. You have to do all that. One segment we had... Stupid angles getting cut ridiculously. Why? Because my talent came, failed to mention they're not allowed to hold an iPhone because they have an Android deal. Oh. The whole bit is FaceTiming people. You would think that you that would have been in their writer. You would think. The whole bit is we take a shot, we FaceTime someone. Two minutes before the show starts, oh no, they got an Android deal. They can't be doing that. So now I'm like, Google Duo. So now we're shooting angles of like half this person's face and comments. Why is this shot so stupid? I'm like you don't get it, bro. What I'm dealing with don't here. Okay? But uh, have you made a video like that? Like the the top three like things that you wish people understood. I try. I think I made one video about it and like. And people are like, blah. Yeah. They just think it's too inside baseball. Yeah. Why is she complaining about that? Why are you whatever? complaining? Shut up. Sell yeah. out. Yeah, they get out of here. Is there it's a, until you're there, you don't get it. And you know what? To be fair, if I was those people, I might say the exact same thing. Well, you thing. did. Rappers, uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I talk crap all the time. So yeah. we're all the friggin' problem, we're including me. Yeah, just, that's... Well, at least you recognize that. Yeah. I, I understand I'm part of the problem. <laughs> I do. 100% That's going to be the name of that TikTok. Yeah. Like, Lily's thing It's just like when we talk about politicians or we talk about athletes. You're stupid. I could do a better job. Yeah. In actuality, we know nothing. Yeah, but there's some people where you're like, I could do a better job than that person. And you're probably right. Is it fair to say, though, in the position, there's probably 10 things you have no idea exist in that position? Yeah, no, it is. It is. Right? But did you grow up as someone who was just good at a lot of things? Did I grow up as someone that was good at a lot? I do feel like I'm a jack of all trades. Perhaps not a master of any of them. I just finished yeah. Master of None Season yes. 3. I was trying to change the wording so I wouldn't yeah. exactly quote I, Master I of None. Because in your contract, you do. can't actually say it. No, because show. then I was going to be like, oh, I was trying to like be unique and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yes, I did, like, for example, growing up, I loved dancing. That was okay. the main thing. I, I was know. a dancer before YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, I loved baking cakes. This mm -hmm. is a random fact. My first couple of videos were baking cakes. I'm a very obsessive person. Once I enjoy something, you take it I to the obsessively activity. have to know about it and put it into my life. For example, I grew up, I really liked rocks. I was that nerd. I'm like, I love rocks. I like correct, collect, and that's it. For three years, my life was just rocks. I was like, I will only be discussing rocks now. I'll be collecting rocks. If I go to the store, I will be buying rocks. I will be going to my neighbor's house and stealing the rocks on the side of their house. And then I grew up and I developed a crush on the rock. So like, I just feel like right. I obsess over things. You manifested that. Yes. Do you remember Moe's scale? Do you know what that is? Moe's scale? It, yeah, it, it measures the hardness of rocks. So if you know, I am if you deeply leave upset that I did not know this. Truth. If you leave with nothing else today on your on your ride home, you could be like. I you thought you were gonna hit up. me with something basic like igneous, but you went no. to a whole new level here. No, I, I, I'm not. I'm not a sedimentary host here. Wow! This is my favorite podcast. <laughs> I'm so, so glad you got that. Where else could you get um, that kind of a joke?
Metamorphic? Did you Sedimentary listen? igneous rocks? Don't Bam. come at Don't me with come at me. Did I just tell you? Okay. I have a big gap of knowledge. That's another thing. A lot of people, I have a big gap of knowledge because also the first movie I ever watched was a Bollywood movie. First song I ever listened to was a Bollywood song. Wow. And so until I was about like nine, ten, that was all of my knowledge. Wow. What, what, what was the movie and what was the song? Hamap Ke Hekon. Oh, okay. Was big the first one. Bollywood movie I ever saw. Banger. Ba banger. Banger right? of a movie. Right, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. First song would, that I loved from there would have been the. Um, Oh, come on, I should There's a... And there's a Maini Mai where she does this pose. Yeah. So in all my baby pictures, I'm just doing this pose like oh. Madhuri, 100%. Have we seen this? Has the world seen this picture? I, I, when I met Madhuri, I did the same pose with her. I did a side-by-side. -side. That's incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. But that's what a lot of people make references right. from the 90s. And I'm like, I haven't seen some really it. popular... Effing movies. So that's one of my questions is, yeah. uh, what's a movie you haven't seen that everybody else has? Are you like, people like, no, bro, you haven't seen... Okay, I'm gonna say this, and I feel like everyone's gonna kick me out of this room. <laughs> that's fine. Hey, I asked the question. People bring up this movie. I've not seen it. I have no idea what they're talking about. Oh, the Goonies. I knew you were gonna say that. I should have guessed it. I was totally gonna say it. And there's a lot of rocks in that movie too. I have no idea what that rock. movie is yeah, or about. That rock and I have reason. to pretend every time someone. I've been lying to you. Every time someone's brought this up, I'm like, oh yeah. yeah for sure, oh, I, I have no idea. In my mind, it's like a Little Rascals. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it's okay. like it's an adventure, okay. you know, action adventure Great. kind of movie. About sports, right? No, it's okay. not about sports. Yeah. Okay. They go, but they go into a cave, and there's a there's a famous line about a rock in it. I think you should absolutely watch it. It's a good movie. But here's the thing: I think there are movies that if you didn't see as a kid, you yeah. might not be. Because my wife has never seen The Goonies. Okay. Oh, okay. There's two of us. There's two that. of you, and, okay. and she's from Canada. She's born in you Toronto. You see? You see? Maybe you never made it across it's the, the border. There you it go. Didn't make it across the border. Mm -hmm. I also have a theory that because she grew up in the central time zone, she's more mature than I am. Because oh. shows would come on at eight, seven central. Wow. So she would watch Dallas and Dynasty and all these shows that didn't come on till ten on the East Coast, but they were coming on at nine. So she watched a lot of mature adult. That's real. That's a, that's so real. She... That's a real analysis. Thank you. Wow. I'm very proud of that one. You're very smart. <laughs> Yeah, you're very smart. smart. I'm pretty smart. Yeah, I enjoy you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know if what, what's the highest when someone gives you an adjective compliment like that is like the funny. Is it smart? Is it bisexual? <laughs> bisexual woman of you're color. So is that one? You're so bisexual. You're so bisexual woman of color. color. Um, I like. I do think smart is a very nice adjective. Yeah. But I think more than anything else now. And I only say this because someone just texted me this oh. on the way here, and it made me feel very warm inside. When someone says, you're very real. Yeah. I enjoy that. And I think it's because of the industry I'm in. Mm -hmm. That's one of the first things you're tempted to lose. Because sure. you, know, you have your publicist teaching you how to say certain things. You have talking points. You have facade. You have people asking questions about what you're wearing and how you look. And you have people commenting on your body. And so the first thing you lose is, Realness. You go, let me manufacture something that people can say less about, right? Persona. Exactly. That you can detach yourself exactly. from. They're talking about this person, not yes. me. Doing that, though, although it might like make your life in the industry a little easier, I think personally it's tough. You start to lose yourself. It's exhausting. You start to not enjoy things. You start to be less present. And so I really do take it as a compliment when someone says, I feel like you're being very real. I got that vibe immediately about you. Really? Absolutely. Really, Thank yes. You. Absolutely. I appreciate that. It's, I wasn't always like that. I feel like mm -hmm. it's been hard-earned. I've always tried to be real, but I, I, I did somewhere in the middle there get lost in the... I, I'll be honest with you, the first time I was ever on Fallon, not to keep bringing him up, but I, I, don't, no. I don't remember any no of our deal. conversation because 
truthfully, I was thinking about the way I was sitting the entire time. You think that's common, though, probably, for the first time someone's on The Tonight Show. But it's because, like, my stylist was like, you're wearing this outfit, you have to sit with, you have to sit with your right leg over your left, that's how the camera looked best, and it was all these, like, you have to hit these talking points. I just remember sitting there being like, is my outfit in the right spot? Like, am I, and I don't remember any of that conversation. It's for crazy the things that you convince yourself are important right. in moments where, if you take a step back, there's something way more important. Right. Right, enjoying your first experience, being head in the game, you know, all those things. It's, it's crazy. I, I deal with that on a daily basis. It's become harder for me because that's what people say in stand-up, too. You should, you should find an aspect of yourself and, and amplify that. Mm -hmm. And then I said, well, I just want to be a real person who talks like I talk. Right. And if you find a thing, though, you go so much farther. Mm -hmm. If you create a character, right. if you, whatever it is, you find a voice, you find a cadence, you find a wrinkle, you find things. But I'm like, yeah, but I'll never... Stand-up comedians are the only people who can fill a stadium based on their thoughts. Yes, exactly. Like, not even with a guitar or anything. Mm -hmm. You could stand there with a mic, mm -hmm. and she, he, they, they can stand there and talk. Mm -hmm. It's like you got there because of what you're, you thought of. Absolutely. There's nothing else like that. For sure. Where 50,000 people will watch you do it. I'm also really loving how, how politically correct and respectful all the pronouns and everything on this podcast have been so far. It's very good. Oh, glad. It's very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, good, good for you. We, you know, we've made a... Here's the thing. So I'll be real. Well, I go, I go by Rajiv Sathyal, and mm -hmm. my pronouns are he and him. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes I go by Michael Jackson, and my pronouns are he, he. Anyone? I liked it. I liked it. I, I liked it. It was pretty strong. I would buy a ticket. I'm glad. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I was happy with that one. I was uh, concerned where you were going with yeah, that Yeah, you're like, second. where is it going to go with it? There was a moment of doubt, and then you brought it back strong. My interest has always been peaked around gender issues in general. Mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. all, have always found them really fascinating, what people are not able to do, what they are able yep. to do, all of that stuff. How hard it is to be, and it's it's diff it's getting more and more difficult to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. I think, and you know, where if you say anything, people feel like, oh gosh, that could be taken the wrong right. way. Do you feel like that is true? Has it gotten harder to discuss this stuff? Absolutely, and I do online or IRL anywhere. No, online. Okay. Everything I. When I say things are tough to talk about these issues or comments, right, okay. it's always online. Right. I do feel like in real life people are wonderful. Yeah. In on online they can be wonderful too, but in real life, I'll tell you what, during the Black Lives Matter protests, I learned a very valuable lesson that year because I remember being online and, and like a lot of people, people were kind of being like, oh, online's a lot for me right now. There's a lot of hostility, a lot of people arguing, there's a lot of misinformation, you know, you mix COVID with the protests, all this stuff. And mm -hmm. it was becoming a lot, so I just put my phone away and I was like, you know what? going to a protest in real life. Wow. And I went to a protest in real life, and it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. People, they were all standing for a common cause. Right. Educating each other through conversation, being patient with each other, standing next to someone they otherwise would not see eye to eye on and, and standing right. for this common cause. And I remember thinking in that moment, social media is just not real life. It's totally. truly not. Totally. All the discussions that happen on there are important mm -hmm. and valid. A lot But of they're them. not conversations. They're right. just opinions and statements. Because a conversation talk, talk, is that talk. I'm listening, right. I'm learning, I'm receiving, I'm giving. That's a conversation, mm -hmm. right? The issue with online is that you get, you're incentivized to take things out of context, mm -hmm. you're incentivized to trend, and you're incentivized to have an opinion that's loud, even if it's misinformed. The most outrageous one. It'll exactly. get bumped up to the top. 100%. It'll get amplified. It'll get, and, that, and people are, that's why things have gone so, it's yes. part of the reason why. So I don't think the conversations, I don't want anyone listening to think, oh, social media doesn't play an important role in conversations. No, 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 I've learned so much in social media. Sure. I think it's such a powerful tool, but for as long as people are incentivized to tear people down because it elevates themselves, 
through right. numbers and through followers and mm -hmm. all that stuff, it's, it's never gonna be a place where genuine conversation can happen. True. So right. where does that happen? Right here. Right here. On your podcast. That's what's Right that, here in this that, room. That's what I was podcast. hoping for. That's you know, because when, if you correct me and teach me something, I can actually like hear it and understand. And mm -hmm. it's not like you're attacking me. And it's not like someone over there is inserting themselves in this conversation right. saying something, you know what I mean? We're actually learning and we can, we can vibe. I've also had many instances where people I follow have said things online. And I'm not the one that will ever argue with someone online or like, yeah, I'm like, same. you do your online. But if I see them in person again and I might ask them about that, like, hey, so like I saw you post this, like, really interesting. Tell me about that. More often than not, oh, that person goes, nah, man, that's just for the internet. Oh, no. And I'm like, that's another issue. Here's an example. I've, I've had many friends who have acted very frustrated about lockdown or about the vaccines or about any mandates, have complained about it all over social media. These are against my rights. I don't trust this. I don't just, they never responded to each their own. Saw them in person the next time at an event you had to be vaccinated to get into. And I was like, oh, so how'd you? No, man, I'm fully vaxxed. And it's like. I know. It's like all of Fox News. Yeah, that, you know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. like, so you have this outrageous persona with a lot of opinions online that's garnering you a lot of buzz, but like, you don't live this up. That's, For the longest, that's the internet. <laughs> For the longest time, I've always wondered, is it, is it worse to not know or, is it, or, or to know and not do? Like if you don't know something, you're just ignorant, not willfully ignorant, but ignorant. Or then it's like, no, but that illustrates why it's so much worse to know and not do. Yes. Because you know effing better. Yes. And you are monetizing whatever you're doing. Correct. That's so wrong. Yeah. Hashtag Twitter. In one word, what are you? Human. I'll take it. That's hard to argue against. Yeah. <laughs> I remember once I was having that argument with my dad because I said something about like, you know, this thing with extroverts. Yeah. We just talk. Yeah, yeah. We really realize yeah, how yeah. it lands. And then I go, because we're talking about like, because he's gotten so involved with Indian politics. Mm -hmm. He's been here for 50 years. Mm -hmm. Five zero. Yep. <clears throat> I go, dad, are you more Indian or American? You know, ethnicity, nationality, mm -hmm. all this stuff. And he goes, what are you? And I go, well, look, I mean, I'm probably American first, human second. How can he be human second? <laughs> how does that sort of thing? I mean... How? Sometimes Americans don't seem human. No, so I just, that's true. It is and we're so American that that's kind of, we can't yes, see other yes, humans. Exactly. So that, that yes. maybe is a thing. What is your mission or your North Star, your purpose? Tell stories that matter, stories that have never been told before. I believe stories make the world go around, and it's how people see themselves. And people would understand themselves better if they saw themselves. What's your story? My story is someone who never saw themselves and yeah. who. Um, I would say not so much caught between two cultures because I think I've gone beyond that. I think I gracefully carry both cultures and my upbringing mm -hmm. has been a both, but I think I... Canadian and American. It, <laughs> how dare you? Canadian and <laughs> Indian and Punjabi. I am not um, American. Yeah. But I think for me, my story is just how to reconcile the immigrant hustle that's embedded in me. You know, I, yeah. the one way that I struggle with both cultures is not the stereotypical ways of like, I went to school and people made fun of my curry. No, it's that... I don't know when to give up. I don't know when to stop working. I don't know when to right. say no because that is embedded into me. And so I'm trying to take that hustle and, and do something with it. How do you say no to people? Um, clearly I can't, I'm here. Yeah, you're here. <laughs> like say yes to anything, <laughs> I, you know, obviously. No, I think I have just learned the importance of rest. You know, right. I tried to Get do replenish. I tried to do everything before. And I think in 2015, I pulled lots of all-nighters and I worked, worked, worked. And now I believe that I don't have to work less, I have to work smarter. Right. I have to have a good team. 
I have to make sure that I, you know, schedule things on a way that's possible. That's not going to drive me to burnout in a year. You know. What do you see as your role in the South Asian community? Uh, I would say construction worker, for sure. Yeah. It is. It is my 100% mission to pave a path for South Asian people. Um, for a while, I thought that was a selfish statement. I think for a while I was... Why? I don't know. I was convinced. I think on YouTube I started making videos that were very, very Desi-centric. And then for a while I went universal. I was like, oh, I'm going to make more universal concepts. And I still enjoy doing that. But I think I did that because I was like, oh, but we all like are kind of the same. And we can all relate to things. And while that's true, as I progressed in the industry, I also learned that, oh, I'm still getting told in a room that my mom's story is not relatable. Like, oh, I'm still getting told that... Oh people won't understand this joke. And I realized the more I got in the industry, how much more work there is to do. Right. I think before I didn't realize. And so now I want to be a construction worker. Like I don't want it to be that years from now, a brown girl sitting in a room and there's 20 white guys being like, no, we just don't really vibe with your story. Like, why would you vibe with the story? Right. It's about an Indian girl hitting puberty. What the F do you know about that? No, it's you about a bisexual you know? woman so of color. It's about a bisexual woman of color. God damn it. Why would you relate? But yeah, I, I'm a construction worker. I'm very passionate about seeing South Asians win. And I'm going to try to do everything in my power to make that happen. In what ways are we really different? So I, I, I go with that too. And diversity has changed a lot. And this is something I talk about all the time within Vogue. I am older I, uh, than, than you. But the idea of like free your mind, be colorblind, all that. And it used to be that we as liberals, progressives, were more like, uh, we're all the same. Yep. And then at some point we flipped the script. Right. It's like we're all different. See mm -hmm. me for me, speak my truth, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I have lots of issues with intersectionality for that reason, mm -hmm. because I see it as a race to the bottom. Mm -hmm. I see it as like, okay, if we're going to say this, then I also have yep, this, and yep, I also yep, have that. Yep. Oh, we, you'll go forever. You'll go forever. Yep. That's my issue with it. Mm -hmm. I don't deny mm -hmm. intersectionality as a, as a concept, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm glad you get that, because I think some people... But in what ways, though, you go, no, but that is something really they see us do, that brown people do, our people do, that other people really don't do? I think for me, like most times I talk about being Desi, I'm going to talk about my family. You know, me and my friends, you know Sanjay Shah? Yeah, I want to know. Yeah, me and him have come to this common understanding of when we're in a room with people, we have realized, well, I don't want to speak on his behalf, but he agreed with me. When we're in a room with people, I realize that I talk about my parents way more than anyone else. Oh. No one else in that room, if I'm in a writer's room, in a team meeting with my friends, no one talks about their parents as much as I do. It's our connection to family and the obligation we feel to family that I feel like is very selfish. And I don't mean it in a negative way. It can have pros and cons to it. Yeah. I think it's beautiful at the same time. But I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you from a page of my life. Before coming out, I watched so many coming out movies. I watched The Love, Simon, The Call Me By My Name, all the right. things. Like, oh, this is so cute. I saw the scene where they tell their parents, and then literally the next, next scene, the, Dad, I'm so proud. Yeah, you're, you're still my you're son. So yeah. Yeah. I'm like great this is this is great my experience was not like that okay and i'm not to say that my parents did poorly they did the best that they knew how to do but i'm the culture and the family and what we believe we're supposed to be is very specific to south asians it's a beautiful thing because families ride or die i know no matter what i can go back to my parents house i can be 50 and they'll be like come here what do you want to eat but i also know they have expectations you know Whereas other, other... At least your parents ask you what you want to eat. My mom d won't stop asking me what I want to eat. Well, she, it's, it's a constant thing. My wife, she just puts... My wife's mom will just put food on the table. My mom, I'm going home to Toronto. I'll be go going through security at the airport. And she's calling me nonstop. Okay, so what do you want for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Like a, a strict schedule, menu, plan. It's amazing. What is your favorite dish? What, what your mom's dish that you're like, okay, that's home. My mom's is definitely Rajma Chow, no question. 
Her rajma chowder. So my mom though. makes bomb chicken curry, and she also makes oh. it vegetarian. Okay. So you have options. Um, it is the best thing ever. It wow. would be my last meal. If you said I'm killing you with your last meal, I would say that. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. My mom's the best. My mom's shout out mom. She's shout an, out she's mom. An but that's what I think is different about South Asians. And I think it's something that's awesome. And I think when I make videos, you know, with the, the parent characters being mean to me, people think like, oh, you're putting our parents down. No, I actually think our culture and the way we look at family is also really beautiful. In 73 questions, you alluded to the fact that there might be a downside to fame. Is there a downside to all this fame? There's a downside to everything. I think everything is a double-edged sword. What yeah. is the downside to fame? This whole podcast, have we not talked about that? Um, the whole thing. Okay, the I downside know, right, to... Right, no, no, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. If I, had, yeah. if I had to pick yeah. one thing... And I, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to preface. I, I, I'm going to have to preface. There's a downside to fame, but I also know there's a lot of freaking privilege to fame, yeah, so I have a tough time. No, if but if I had way, to pick one sure. that's a downfall, it's never being given the benefit of the doubt. Like, you are not treated like a human when you're in the public eye. You're truly not. Because kids will, parents will teach their kids it's bad to bully, don't bully, and then they'll make fun of the Kardashians. You know, they'll be like, oh, don't treat people like this. It's not that the person's famous. There's always an asterisk there. If the person's rich and famous, you can say whatever you want to them. So it's people don't treat you like a human. You know, if you, if you meet someone on a day, if anyone meets someone on a day, you might think, oh, this person might have acted that way because maybe they're tired, maybe they had a bad day. Sure. That guy's I, an asshole. I, act, I remember one time I was walking to the airport. I kid you not. I, this is factually what happened. It was six in the morning. I'm tired I'm as hell. In a bad mood, yeah. Tired <laughs> as hell. I was going through security. This is literally what I did. I took my laptop out of the tray, and I walked through the security thing. And this girl looks at me and she goes, "Wow, you're so much different than online." And I'm like, "Wait, what?" All I did was walk through the thing. I didn't say anything, we exchanged no dialogue, but I guess I didn't walk happy enough or seem like... The TSA you know? person no, or no, the... No, no, the actual, the actual person just like that scans you, you yeah. know? And I was like, wait, what? And the whole rest of that trip, I was like, am I exuding like an energy that's not... Right. Like, is she expecting me to go through and be like, oh, what up t-shirt reference, I'm coming through security, like, you know what I mean? Like, and so people don't give you the benefit of the doubt. Like you can never just be tired. It's always yeah. that you're a sellout. It's always that you're stuck up. Sometimes I don't do things for safety. Like if after a show or something, if my team's like, hey, there's a sketchy person that we have recognized that's outside and I don't go, all those people are going to be like, Lisa stuck up. She yeah. never came. It's never about like, was there something else at play here? Right. You know what I mean? So that definitely makes it tough. I would think so, to not be given the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. So much reliance on that. Yeah, sometimes, on even my, sometimes even my family does it. That's tough. Really? Yeah. Sometimes with my dad, and bless his soul, I love him to death, but sometimes when I go home and he will be like, oh, I need so-and-so's kids to come over, they're dying to meet you. And I'll be like, dad, I really, I'm really tired, like I just want to enjoy home. Wow, you're supposed to, you're supposed to thank fans that do things for you. Oh, He'll make me yeah. feel bad about it, and I'm oh, like, man. where is my safe space? <laughs> Mom, that's gotta be mom. Yeah, right? mom, my mom is my safe sister. My yeah. dad still calls me Superwoman. And, and my mom always gets mad at him. She's like, her name is Lily. Her name is Lily. Yeah. When, did you make that, when did you make the pivot? I made the pivot a couple years ago, mostly because I was like, mm, let's DC try to. problems. Well, I actually reached out to DC very oh, early in my career once okay. I realized I'm an idiot. Once I realized I made that mistake. Well, you probably had, like, what, a million, two million? I, had a, I think I had like five million subs. And okay. I was like, hmm, maybe I should reach out to DC. Right. So I got my lawyer to reach out, and they were very kind. We came to an agreement. I did pay the money every year. A lot of people don't know this. I paid the money every year to use a superwoman name with the goal of phasing it out. So after five years of paying them, I was like, now I'm Lily, and I'm not calling myself And that was part of the agreement, to phase it out? Yes, yes. Oh, that's so interesting. Yes, but also because I wanted to. 
Like, yeah, right. you know, especially, you know cool it is for people to know the name Lily Singh? Of course. Like, the Singh? Of course. I love. You're carrying that. I love that. And so I'm like, that feels cooler to me than Superwoman now. It is. Yeah. I keep looking into this camera. I don't even know if this is my angle or my shot. This could not even be on. I don't even know. It may it not It could be. all be a lie. It may, yeah, it's okay. all made up. We're going to shift over and play ping pong, if that's cool. Oh my god, yes. We're going to do it. Uh, tell us about a time where you totally killed and the time where you totally bombed. If you, if you want to tell both of those stories. I feel like I'm killing it right now in this game. <laughs> no doubt. Um, but otherwise, totally killed. Brag, brag, brag on yourself, Lily Singh. <laughs> like, you know what? I bodied that. I set. do, I do think my first tour I did, a trip to Unicorn Island in 2015, mm -hmm. was a time when a lot of people on YouTube were going on tours. And, you know, they went up on stage and they did Q&As and all that stuff. And that was good and that was fun and that's what they, their audience wanted. But I knew my audience was used to sketches and my parents and music and all that other stuff. I had set myself up for them to expect a lot from me. Sure. So that tour I did stand-up, I did dance, I did music, I did motivational speaking. It was a sold-out world, world tour. And I do think I killed that. You know, for someone having no experience traveling like that. Sure. Um, having no experience, like I'm not formally stage, trained. really, either. Yeah, I'm not really formally trained in any of that stuff. Right. Um, to go out there and perform the way I did. There's one show in particular that was outside of the tour. It was in India, I vividly remember, it was in Bombay. I was so, I think it was like 2017. It was YouTube Fan Fest. I was supposed to perform a music set that was 10 minutes. I had a horrible fever. I was so sick, probably the most sick I've ever been in my life. Oh, wow. Right before going on stage, like 104 fever. I was like, and this was before COVID. So it was just wow. a fever, right? Yeah. I remember sweating. They said, Lily, you're up. I went up. I performed the best I've ever performed. I literally collapsed right after and was hospitalized the next day. And I just remember being like, I don't care if I have to put it all out there, but I, I killed that set. I'm a performer. That's yeah. probably what was going through perform. your mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's your Michael Jordan flu game right there. <laughs> that's your game five. That's incredible. Um, a time I bombed, uh, I mean, there's so, so, so many. One comes to mind for sure, which was, uh, I usually am pretty good at turning on and off when it comes to my job. Like, so if you, set, you yell action on a set, sure. doesn't matter what's happening in my personal life, I'm pretty good at being like, I'm someone else now. I'm doing something else. Sure. There was this one audition, breaks my heart because it was opposite of Dwayne. So obviously, you know, it means a lot to me. Of course, Dwayne um, Johnson, you guys yeah. are good friends now. Yeah, it was opposite of him. But I was going through a really tough time. I think I had just, you know, gotten into a fight with my family. Maybe I was like going through a tough times before I came out. And I bombed that audition so hard. I had to walk out of it without finishing. Oh, no because way. Because I could not remember the lines. Because in my mind, I was just, could not turn off my personal problems. So I remember feeling like crap after that. It was actually for the role in, um, Jumanji. Oh, wow. The red, big, big, the red big, girl, the girl in the red dress. Yeah. So I've always beat myself up for that, but it's okay. You live and you learn. Yeah, no doubt. Now, do you love killing or hate bombing? Wh which one's stronger? Like some people love w winning, but they actually hate losing more. Um, I don't mind losing. I love killing. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think any time. Like if I've I bomb, done, I bomb, but I yeah, love every time I've done really poorly in something, truly, and I'm not just saying this because it's a cliche quote. Yeah. I've always learned something. Okay. How to do it different the next time. How to prep better next time. What to expect next time. Like the first audition I ever did in LA when I moved here, it was like two days after I moved here. I'll never forget. I went to the audition. And it was very strange. My first audition. They didn't send me any of the lines. Oh. I walked no in sides. there, no sides, no, no movie title, nothing. They just said, you have to come here and we'll tell you everything. First audition. Shady, yeah. I, know, really. I go there, 
They made me sign an NDA. They gave me a for a major franchise, which deserved the NDA. Sure. But they gave me pages and pages of lines right then and there and said, all right, so you'll be up in 30. And I was like, what? All these character names I've never heard of before, all these ter this terminology I've never yeah, heard of before. Jargon. I did it. I didn't do it that well. I didn't do it horrible. But the next time I had an audition, I, I knew what to expect at least. You know, right. I knew how to prepare. I knew which muscles I needed to to exercise. And so I always say every fail I've had, truly, you know, the only reason I got my late night show is because an NBC pilot I did with Kenya Barris didn't go. And that's how NBC discovered me because I was in an ensemble cast and I um, rated very high for them in the tests. That's the only reason they discovered me for the late night show. Wow. So that failure literally led to, led to a major the show. success. Now, yeah. did it feel, and there's no one probably who can answer this better than you, or, or maybe someone could answer it as well, but no one better. How does the fame of TV compare with the fame of internet? It's nothing <laughs> compared to YouTube. Oh, it's nothing compared to YouTube? Yeah, yeah. I would say fame-wise, in Did the industry- Did it feel more legitimate though? You're like, oh, I'm on TV. So here's the thing, I still grew up with TV and film and right. theaters and all that stuff. So I still, there's certain, uh, there's certain glitz and glamor still to movie stars and yeah. celebrities to me. I think the newer generation of kids, they don't see a difference between digital stars and traditional stars. They don't. You know, they don't. They're like, Madonna, Lily, Justin Bieber, all the same. Like, to Whoa. them, it could be all the same. And I know that's a big statement I just made, but I've literally gotten a tweet that's like, my favorite artists are Britney Spears, Lily, and Madonna. And I'm like, what? Wow. Because to them, it's the same, right? Was that your mom's tweet? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. You're um, like, it wasn't my dad's. No, I'm kidding. But the point I'm making is, TV made me feel more legit because I grew up with it. Yeah. I don't think it changed the perspective of my younger fans, the younger right. ones I have. In the industry, it definitely did. The day I got my show, so many celebrities I look up to followed me, DM'd sure. me, suddenly I was texting them. So for sure, it legitimized me in, in the industry. But in terms of fans, no. That's uh, The online fandom is way stronger than the late night fandom. <laughs> wow, that, no, that's, a, that's a learning because for me. Because online, is universal. Nah, no, sorry. Yeah. No, Online fine. is universal. You know? What age, what, 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 like someone is how old where that makes a difference, you think? Or what, what year, like whatever um, it would be? Probably mostly like Gen Z or even like people right now that are like up to 25, I would say. Okay. Um, because a big part of it is, is online is worldwide. Right. Yeah, and it's, in it's India and Trinidad and Singapore, everyone watches it. There's no barriers sure. to access, you sure. know? The late night show was only available in <laughs> certain places and right. syndicated in certain places. So, so a lot of my fans couldn't watch it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that makes total sense. What's it like being on Dollface? Awesome. So I'm on the second season of Dollface, which is Kat Denning's show. Um, I'm a guest role opposite Shay Mitchell. I get to be her girlfriend, which is very, very cool. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so fun. You know, it's so interesting going from something that was such a boys club in late night. Right. To an all female cast. Yeah, right. The first day I was on set, they're talking about breastfeeding and gardening and relationships, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is so refreshing. Yeah. They're all so warm and welcoming and nice. Topics that have not really been explored. Exactly. My first day on set of uh, season two of The Late Night Show was a woman approaching me saying, there's no tampons in the bathroom. <laughs> so it was very refreshing for me to go on this set with all you're like, women. You're like, in that way, it's kind of the same as when they're all men, but at least they're talking about it. Yeah. Uh, when people go to these networking events, mm -hmm. you know, and there are a lot of sort of South Asian happy hours and things like that, but it doesn't have to be just in our community. Should people go to these or do a lot of the successful people, even on the come up, 
did they go to them? Did you used to? I mean, like, you, you became famous kind of before that time, though, too. But I love this question. I want you to know. I think this is such an important question. Okay. I did network a lot when I first moved to LA because I didn't know anyone here. Sure. So it was definitely part of my journey. I did go, I did a lot of what we call general meetings where you meet people, you just talk about yourself and nothing could come of it ever. Yeah. <laughs> Truly nothing. I've probably done 200 of those. Whoa, literally 200? Realistically, probably like 60. Okay, no, but it's still, still a lot. lot. It's still, it's still a, lot. a lot, yeah. Um, here's how I do networking. I think it is important. I think it's important to meet people but I'm a fan of meeting people where they can remember who you are, right? right? So right. when you meet people at a party and everyone's drunk and everyone's like, yeah, hey, I'm so-and-so and this is what I'm working on. I don't believe in the power of that. I believe in the power of like, maybe emailing their office the next week being like, hey, I was at the same party as so-and-so. Would love to sit down and talk because we had such a good conversation at that party. Right. You know? It's you about two-putt it. Exactly. Yeah. And so I do believe that network is, networking is important and you have to know people, but it does not replace the hustle. That's the asterisk I want to put on this. A lot of people think, but I went to these parties, I met people and nothing's come of it. That's because you still got to work really, really hard. People are still people. Unless your work can, can speak for itself, those people are not going to care how good you are at networking at an event. You know what I mean? Right. Ultimately, those people care about, can you act? Can you write? Can you do whatever it is you say you do? And so network, sure, but not as a replacement for work. I love that. And there's also this aspect sometimes that people who can talk the game can't do the game. Exactly, yes. If you're too slick. Yes. So if your reel is garbage, but you can have a good conversation, networking doesn't matter for you. Yeah. <laughs> because you need to back it up with something. Right, yeah. right. No, that is true. Or networking networking gets, might get you in the room, right. but your work is going to keep you in the room. Right. right. That sounds really smart. We should put that on a t-shirt. You should. That is good. Really? I like I that. I that was really smart, right? Networking gets you in the room. Yeah. Talent keeps you in the that, room. You, you know what? Work, talent sounds better than work. Let's change it to that. Oh, talent. Well, no, 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 well, you didn't. You, you, you upgraded it. You upgraded it. I don't know. I just misheard it. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I have this little tick, if you've noticed, that I have to keep doing this every time we start. It's you know what's funny? I did not notice that, but I feel like we all have those, especially as I, performers. Do you have something like that before you perform? Yes. I have to... I have to talk to the stage, I kneel down. This is a very Indian thing. I kneel down, talk to the stage, do the whole like, yeah. and I beat my chest. Okay. And then I do a very specific stretch. I don't know if the cameras can pan. I okay. go like this. Can you get her? Yeah. Yeah, I go like this. You'll hear crack, then I go. Interesting. Because it's silly and also stretches me, but it gets me out of my head. So side stage, no matter how important and formal the event is, I don't care if there's like mad suits next to me, I'm just doing You're just this doing with my butt. just doing this kind of like shimmy kind of 100%. thing. 100%, yep. Can you summon your talent at will? Uh, I'm very good at turning on and off for sure. Okay. If I'm super tired, like I mentioned before, but I have to go on stage, I will turn that on. Yeah, just like yeah. with a fever. 100%. And when you said you learned something from a failure with the family thing, you said the family stuff was in your head. Mm -hmm. Do you have advice for people of like how to remove that, like how to erect that barrier when some, some shit's going on in your personal life and you're like, okay, now I gotta focus. Is there something specific you can do other than, I mean, just mentally I mean, focus? Of course I can say, oh, get out of your head, meditate. I try to meditate all the time. Sure. But let's be real, some things, are hard to get out of your head. Not right. everything can be willed away. And for that, I say the best solution to that is coming up with a solution to that problem. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, and it sounds very simple, but sure. if you're in that fight with that person and it's consuming your mind and you've meditated and you've done all that stuff, then make amends with that person. That's, right. the, that's what you need to do. If you're struggling, like my fitness was a big thing for a while. I've never been fit in my life. Okay. I've struggled with it so much. 
I ate horribly most of my life, bagel bites every meal, all day, every day. I love bagel me. bites. Bagel bites. No one's crapping on bagel bites, but I was always processed food. And it got to a point where in my career, it would be on my mind. And I would not feel good. I would feel lazy, and I, I didn't like the way my body would feel going upstairs. And it wasn't even about how I looked. It was more so about just the way I felt. Right. No meditation was making that go away. So literally, I was like, oh, I'm not going to will this away. Right. I need to come into a solution with this. And I literally, over the past four months, changed my whole diet, changed my activity level, right. changed just everything. And You're looking quite fit. Thank you. I'm, I'm the most fit I've ever been in my life at this moment. Wow. Um, but it was hard work. And it was because I was like, let me come up with a solution to this because this is not something I'll be able to will away. <laughs> this is a real thing that I right. need to address, right? Well, the willpower is, is sometimes it's not to be funny, but it's won't power, right? It's, it's yeah. like, I'm not going to eat bagel bites. Yeah. And for 100%. me, it was always easier to not do things than do things. Yeah. So instead of like going to the gym, it's hard. But if you're like, okay, just don't eat bagel bites. 100%. Like, okay, yes. yes. I could just not do that. Most of all, honestly, almost all the changes I made were... Cutting things controlling out. what I was eating rather than intensely working out. Have you made it? Ooh! I said, how much more time do you got in this podcast? Um, <laughs> I was like, let me ask you this keeper here. You're like, just a small little ending question. <laughs> yeah, just, I know. I'm totally going to ask you something else. I thought, no, I didn't get to ask you that yet. My honest answer is, I don't feel like I've made it. Okay. Um, and I'm not quite sure I'll ever feel like that, and that does scare me. Yeah, you see, I'm keeping you on your toes. Ah, oh, dang it. Um, <laughs> I, I think a lot of people in my life, my friends and family, would describe me as someone who's made it. Yeah, totally. I fear that I will always wake up wanting more and being like, but I could do one more and I could do this better. And that scares me because I don't think that's healthy. Right. Um, I but is that what keeps you going, though, too? It does keep me going. I think that's, that's where I have a very bittersweet relationship with this whole, have you made a question? Because my answer is no. Right. But I'm scared that it's no. But that no keeps me motivated to keep going. So I hope that if you, you know, in 10 years when we're doing this podcast in your mansion. Right. I right. hope that my answer is yes, I've made it. What would be that thing where you go, okay. I, for me, my instinct is that I want to actually put my foot into the game of production when it comes to TV and film, which I, I'm only a be beginner at right now, you know? Sure, in the digital space, I could say I've made my mark, but... I want to make movies and I want to make TV shows and I want to act and I want to produce things that are important and I think there's still work to be done there. So if I have some of those Unicorn Island productions pop off, I think I'll feel like I made it. Even I if it's online though, like if they're YouTube, so this is the distinction between film and, and no, online? No, they have to be beyond YouTube. They, they would have to be on YouTube? They would have to be beyond YouTube. Beyond, okay, so there yes. is a difference. Yes, there is. Because I, because I grew up with TV and movies. So I still, okay. I'm like, oh, the glitz and glamour of an Angelina Jolie, of a Madhuri Dixit. Like, I grew up with that, so it's still very important to me. Yeah. You know? Even though it's becoming less and less of a distinction, there's still to me, there still is. Yeah, for sure. Everybody, this has been incredible having the Lily thing. The? I get a the? You get a the. A the Lily thing. Wow. On what do you bring to the table? Let them know where they can find you if they don't already know. Oh, you're very sweet. At Lily, L-I-L-L-Y, on pretty much every platform. That's how you know. She's bigger than Eli Lily. That's how you know that a corporation. But this has been amazing. Anyone who's finding this because of me, if you're one of my fans, make sure you subscribe, follow. What is the thing? All of those All things. Of, subscribe, follow, buy, order, listen, hire. fund, hire, whatever the terminology is, make sure you do it. He's incredible. 
Wow. Thank you so much to Lily Singh, our guest on What Do You Bring to the Table? I've been your host, Rajiv, and I still am. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. That's it. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us, hi mom, at modmypod.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from you. That's it for now. I've been Raman Segal. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com